It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. And welcome to Eagles Pod. This is Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Tommy Lawler from eaglesblitz.com. How are you, Tommy? Doing great, Jimmy. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, we're, in a, we're deep in the – now that the Super Bowl is like a day or two old, we are deep already into mock draft season. Obviously, the Eagles have huge glaring needs at cornerback and as they have for the last half decade or so, safety. And I think what you see a lot of is people just predicting the Eagles to draft cornerback and safety. And, of course, that, all that makes sense. Uh, I think what the what we get into, however, a lot of times when we're talking about the Eagles' needs and, and just needs of any team is you have to draft this position uh, in the first round. You have to draft you know X position in the second round and third round and so on. And I think that's sort of the, the, the terrible way to approach it. I mean, you, I think when you talk about the draft, you want to fill your roster with great players as opposed to obvious needs. If you're looking to to have a rookie come in and sort of save your season, your season is screwed to begin with. How do you kind of feel? I mean, I, what, what, let's, let's talk about, I guess, just filling your roster um, with the draft versus filling it with free agency. And you know, what, what is your sort of philosophy about that? Well, the philosophy for, I would say, 90 to 95% of, you know, football people, NFL people, is going to be that free agency is what you use to fill immediate needs on your roster. Because at that point, you're signing a veteran player who's a proven commodity to come in and fill a role. You already know he belongs in the NFL because he's got a track record. And so there's there's always going to be an adjustment when a player comes to your team, plays in your system, and has different expectations and circumstances. But he will have a track record, and there's less uh, of a question mark as to how he's going to perform. With the draft, I mean, we know how many draft picks just don't pan out whatsoever. Uh, the draft is is how you build your roster long-term. 
and you want those players to be able to play according to sort of their own uh, timetable. And what I mean by that is you're going to have some players who show you they're able to play right away. Jordan Matthews made it very clear right away he was ready for the NFL, and he delivered instant impact for the Eagles. Uh, a guy like Marcus Smith, unfortunately, obviously never showed that. And that doesn't mean you know that he's a bust. Some people want to say that. We'll see. Tom, we have to give this guy a chance to develop. But the point is that when you when you go to the draft, you're you're drafting for the long term. You want to see where these guys are in two years, three years, five years. With free agency, that player better deliver immediate results. So you sign for need and you draft for sort of long term and roster building. That's that's the way most people are going to look at it. Yeah, the Eagles, you know, I, I think when you draft for need, and I, I don't I don't want to say that they didn't really like Danny Watkins, but the year that they took Danny Watkins and in, in, in the first round and Jaquan Jarrett in the second round, I think that's really sort of a a, a great example of drafting for need and kind of having it, having it blow up in your face. But I, and, yeah, and again, like, 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 like you'll see all the time, you have to draft this position in the first round. You have to draft this one in the second round. And to me, that just makes no sense whatsoever. Again, if you're filling your roster with players, with rookies that you feel have to kind of save your season and, and fill the biggest need area on, on your team, then you're in big trouble. That's when you start reaching for picks in, in the, uh, in the draft. And that's never a good draft strategy, obviously. And, uh, yeah, let's just take a look. First of all, I guess at free agency and, and what's going to be what's going to be available. I mean, we just all watched the Super Bowl. And there are two players in that game that I think you know make a little bit of sense uh, for the Eagles. That'd be Byron Maxwell for the Seahawks, the the big six one cornerback, and Devin McCourty, the uh, safety for the Patriots. And I think it was you anyway that made a point. Uh, maybe it was somebody else that you know you look at those two teams and and both those two teams have very good secondaries. Um, they were able to cover, you know, opposing teams all year, and maybe a big reason why they're they both wound up in the Super Bowl. I think you you said you've taken a look at uh, at Byron Maxwell already. What do you what do you like? At, what, what do you see out of him so far? Well, let's, let's talk about a couple of things there. First of all, those teams did cover well, and that was a, a big part of their success. And it goes to show you. I mean, both teams had an elite corner in in Richard Sherman and, and Darrell Rivas. Both had good safeties and McCordy. And then the duo for Seattle. So there's a lot of talent there. And when you look at a guy like Maxwell, he pales in comparison to Richard Sherman. But guess what? So do 95% of the other cornerbacks in the NFL. You can't hold them to Richard Sherman's standard. You're setting yourself for, for failure if you do that. When I watched tape of Maxwell, I was very impressed. I, I had questions about whether he was a guy that maybe was going to be getting a little overhyped because he was playing on a great defense and maybe it was the guys around him. But when you watch the guy, he's got a good size. He runs well. He's got fluid hips, which not all big guys do. I thought he did a good job of changing directions. And one of the things that I liked is that he seemed like an, a smart, instinctive corner, a.k.a. the opposite of maybe Bradley Fletcher or the opposite of a Nate Allen. He seemed to have a good feel for where the ball was going to be, when it was going to be there. And uh, I came away impressed. I only watched a couple of games. Uh, but I did watch him go up against uh, I, uh, Demarius Thomas was one of the games. So I want to see him go up against a legitimately top-flight wide receiver. And I came away very impressed. And this guy, uh, to me, is should be the number one target of the Eagles. It, it should be Byron Maxwell. Yeah, I agree completely. I actually talked with um, a guy that covers the Seahawks by the name of Danny Kelly. He runs a, the, the, a blog, uh, Field Goals, G-U-L-L-S, uh, dot com, And he talked about Maxwell. 
And basically, his takeaway of Maxwell was that he's completely legit. Um, and of course, that that Seattle defense. When you talk about you know the elite shutdown corner and and Richard Sherman and those two safeties and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, a lot of people, you know, when you look at a guy like Byron Maxwell, they they'll ask, well, is he benefiting from you know all those other really good players in, in that secondary? And the flip side of that argument is, well, okay, you know, there there certainly is a lot of a lot of talent in that secondary, but. At the same time, people are avoiding Richard Sherman, so he's gonna he's gonna face a ton of action. They're gonna attack him. They're they're gonna attack Byron Maxwell throughout the you know he's gonna get a lot more attention than than of course the other side where Richard Sherman is. He gave up one touchdown the entire season, so he's a guy that 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 obviously had a very good season. Good tackler, big guy has you know it, it can get physical with with opposing wide receivers and sort of a perfect fit for what we've seen the Eagles sort of target at that position since Chip Kelly became the head coach. Absolutely, and, and again, I think he should be the, the priority free agent target. Uh, Devin McCourty from the uh, P- the Patriots is a free safety. He's an interesting guy because he coming out of Rutgers, he was a corner, and uh, he, he was a very good corner. He actually went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, had like uh, seven interceptions, highly productive, and then they started asking him to, to do some different things in coverage, and he struggled a little bit with some of the main coverage they were trying to have him do for a while. So they finally decided, let's move him to safety, and he's really found a home at safety. He doesn't necessarily make a ton of plays, but he runs the secondary, and he does a really good job of limiting plays. If you look, uh, the Patriots did not give up a touchdown in the fourth quarter of their final eight games or something like that. Mm, I didn't know that, yeah. Absolutely. They gave up nothing but field goals, and that's winning time. That's what the game's like. And, Heck, some of those games they had a big lead, so right. the other team might be throwing the football. Now, granted, they might have been going up against Geno Smith or you know somebody like that that's a less than compelling quarterback. But the bottom line is, and we watched the Eagles give away some garbage points to some you know some players that looked so so or you know maybe a little above average, but nothing special. And the Patriots didn't do that. They did a much better job in coverage. And one of the reasons they got like Devin McCourty. He, while he might not make a lot of plays, he's going to be in the right spot. He's going to make sure the right coverage is called based on what uh, the, the offense shows. And if a free safety is in the right spot, he can discourage a quarterback from throwing a football. And if he does that, then in a way he's made a play, even though there's nothing in the stat sheet to show it. So McCourty's a, a terrific football player, and I would tell you the Eagles should be all over him, but I just don't see any way that guy hits free agency. Yeah, agree. I think he is going to be a Patriot next year. So dream all you want. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah, they have that. That the, the Patriots have that Rutgers connection where like half their roster is is uh, or former Rutgers players. But it, when you look at like the franchise tags across the league, quarterback is obviously going to be the highest. But when you look, it's weird because the safety position is just so bad league wide that you would expect that you know the, the top guys at that position, and there are some you know really talented players that. You know that that are you know the best safeties in the NFL. You'd think that because that 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 position is just so depleted with talent in the NFL that the top five guys would be you know really highly and maybe even overpaid uh, for the job that they do at safety. And obviously the top five, the way that you look at the franchise tag is to take the average of the top five uh, players at that position in, in, in terms of pay. And safety after tight end and either punter or kicker. Is the it's 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 the third lowest franchise tag amount uh, in terms of position if if the Patriots wanted to use the tag on him. So I don't, again, I agree. I don't think there's any way that he gets out of New England. 
especially because the safety position league-wide is so awful that they're going to just want to make sure that they lock him up, whether they get a long-term deal with him or they have to use the tag on him if they can't get that done. So, again, I'm with you. I, I don't think there's any way whatsoever that he sees the light of the light of free agency. Yeah, the safety is just too critical. And, and again, uh, Belichick loves his Rutgers guys. So, yeah, I'd be shocked if he hits the market. To me, they either, they'll either get a, a, an extension or they'll tag the heck out of him. And why, why is that? Hold on. I mean, do you have any reason why he likes those Rutgers kids? I, well, you know, it used to be that he loved Florida when Urban Meyer was there. He and Urban Meyer developed a friendship, and they started taking a lot of Florida guys. And then in recent years, uh, and I, then I one don't of them know, started killing people. <laughs> I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I'm sorry. Uh, continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, in case Aaron gets uh, gets off innocent, I want to make sure he knows I'm on his side. Okay. Uh, no, with Rutgers, I think I want to say one of Belichick's sons may have gone to school there, and he, the the whole his interest there may have been started when Shiano was there, and there was something that they were a tough program, put out some you know quality players, very coachable players, and I think that's the kind Belichick liked. And that's like I say, I think one of his sons may have gone there, and uh, so in going there to watch Rutgers, you know. The, familiarity, you know, you sit there and you start watching these guys and you can start to think, yeah, you know, I like that guy. I like that. He grows on me as opposed to watching tape of gazillion prospects and they're all sort of nameless and you sort of judge them uh, on a simple level. If you're actually watching them and you hear stories about them, you read about them, it can make you like kids a little bit more. And, and some of the guys he's thinking, they're proven to be pretty good players. That feels like a horrible way to evaluate talent, but you kind of can't argue with them winning the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> exactly, exactly, whatever. I just want to say one thing as we go back to talking about the whole uh, free agency versus draft. One simple way to think about that is when you're talking about you know drafting positions or whatever. When you when you draft football players, you really want to draft people more than positions. And so, in other words, don't just think, let me go get the best defensive back. It's let me go get the best player. And and obviously there's going to be times when there's a tie, and of course you draft for need. But you just you sit, you sit there and say to yourself, do I want to pass on somebody who's clearly a good player for somebody, for somebody else who's more of a position that I feel like I'd need at? And that's where, you know, if you have them, if there's somebody that's rated higher, you just you really need to go get them because – you never know when there's going to be an injury or something like that. So you've, you've got to focus on, on players and not positions because you're not just drafting a guard or a corner or whatever. You're drafting an individual, and, and your question is, how's that individual going to perform for my team for the next five years, not just does he fill up my depth chart nicely. So sometimes you have to think of it players instead of positions. Yeah, and you had on your site the example of the Cowboys last year. Uh, you know, Not to talk good about the Cowboys, of course, but – they had one of the historically bad defenses in the NFL, in NFL history in 2013. Just the amount of yards they gave up in first downs and, and just they were awful. They had a lot of injuries, but they were just awful. And you go into the draft and they draft an offensive lineman. And, you know, and, and you made the point that, you know, they could have easily just drafted defensive help, but they kind of stuck, they, they kind of stayed true to the, to the best player that, that was available. And they took Zach Martin, the, the offensive guard, and he was a you know big part of their success in the run game this year. The run game was great. That made their play action passing game a lot better. It kept their defense off the field. And they were, what, what, what did they win, 12 games this year? Was it 12? They, they went 12 and 4. 
Yeah. So I mean, you you look at that pick, and I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put a number value on the number of games that that Zach value that, that Zach Martin you know made them win this year. But certainly, he was a big part of that offensive line and that running game that that made that team so effective all season. And really a great pick. And it's funny, like you you look at that Cowboys. Uh, war room <laughs> whenever they make a pick and if you see Jerry Jones cheering you know that it's going to be a bad pick like when they moved up when they when they draft when they they traded their first and second round picks to move up to draft Morris Claiborne you know Jerry Jones is whooping it up in that war room and right. then this past this past year they uh they, they they take Zach Martin before you know what the pick is you see the scout you know pumping his fists in the background and Sherry just kind of has that, that mush face sitting at the table and it's like, ah, shit, they're, they're going to make an actual decent pick here. <laughs> so it's, it's always fun to, to, to peek at the Cowboys war room and you see that scout cheering in the background. You're like, ah, here comes a normal pick. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And, and, and another way to kind of look at this is if you, you know, let's say that the Eagles had a, a wide receiver, an offensive lineman who's their highest rated player at number 20 and they draft him. There's something to be said for building a great unit instead of just trying to have a, a pretty good unit and a very good unit. And what I mean by that, when you think of Super Bowls, you think of uh, the great Rams team that had an explosive offense, the, the Ravens team and their dominant defense, the Buccaneers and their dominant defense. And you go through some of these teams and you think about their, their great units. And there's something to be said for, you know, the Eagles have a very good offense, but if they could add a player that would make their offense great, there's value in that versus how much better is Trey Wayne's going to make the Eagles defense? Is he going to make the Eagles defense jump from 23rd overall to 10th overall, or is he going to make them jump from 23rd to 20th versus if you add the right player to the offense, maybe because there's already enough talent there, he is the right piece that pushes them over the top. And you kind of saw that with Zach Martin, his presence made the offensive line that much better it made uh, you know, the, the running back that much better, which made Tony Romo that much better, which made the offense able to stay on the field, which protected the defense. So this one pick had this transcendent effect on the entire team versus if they had picked the best defensive player, it wouldn't have done much for the offense, obviously. And I don't know that it would have made the defense significantly better because that defense has so many holes. So we're not saying that the Eagles should avoid defense. No, not at all, but if they happen to go for a higher-rated offensive player or some other position in the defensive back, that doesn't mean it's a bad pick. It doesn't mean there's a lack of logic. There's You're trying to build the best overall team, and sometimes that doesn't always mesh with what's available on the board. Right. If Kevin White is sitting there and you can have a wide receiver core of Kevin White, Jeremy Macklin, and Jordan Matthews, then I'm sure as hell taking Kevin White over whatever the fourth or fifth best corner is available. Exactly. exactly. You don't want to force that pick because – for every time the forced pick pans out, there's going to be ten times when it doesn't. Yeah, can we just do a little side note here? Like when you're talking about the Cowboys, they took Zach Martin. If they didn't take Zach Martin, it's come out that Jerry Jones wanted to draft Johnny Manziel, and it's kind of a shame knowing that because how awesome would that have been? <laughs> yeah, because as much partying as Johnny did in Ohio where he's very popular, obviously. Imagine him in the state of Texas where he's Ugh. godlike. I mean, he would, who knows if he'd be alive. <laughs> uh. He might have already pulled a Jimi Hendrix or something like that. I mean, yeah, God only knows what would have gone on in the state of Texas with him. I, I can tell you this, he wasn't going to get on the field and be some superstar based on the way that, where that kid's head is at. And it would have been fun to watch 
the media constantly question about whether, you know, he was doing the right things to push Tony Romo or did the Cowboys waste a pick, and that would have been a, a beautiful disaster to watch from afar. And, you know, another another side note, tack on to Johnny Manziel, you, you look at, you know, the Eagles and their possibility of, of trading up and getting a quarterback, and, then you, like, we've, we've talked already at length about the number of teams in, in that sort of top ten area that need quarterbacks like, the um, you know the first two teams that are the Buccaneers and and the Titans they're drafting right. one and two overall and then the Redskins you know who knows what's going on with them and, and RG three the Jets at six the Rams at ten you can throw the Browns in that mix now too and they're they have two picks in the in the uh, in the first round I think what are they twelve or somewhere in that range and then somewhere in the late teens I believe so they have they have all kinds of ammo if they want to move up and go to quarterback and you think that you know with Johnny Manziel going into rehab now and Brian Hoyer being, you know, having some success last year, but you know, let's be real about him being sort of a, a guy that you want to build your franchise around. You know, that's another team that you, that, that you can add to the list now as as competition for the Eagles to get a quarterback. And, and you and somebody may say, well, there's no way they would draft a quarterback since they just invested a pick in Manziel. But you know what? If you don't have a quarterback, you can't really compete in this league. So they may say. You know what? So so we have already invested the pick at Manziel. Let's spend another pick and try to get it right. I don't think my dog Charlie is uh, all that happy about your Johnny Manziel analysis there. Apparently not. What is your? Well, do do you see them as? I mean, another side note to tackle on here. I mean, what about him as a potential fit for the Eagles if he was cut or they were going to trade him or whatever? I just don't have interest in him at this point because as an outsider, I just don't like what I've seen and heard. And he can talk about going to rehab, but this feels to me like a forced move by the club and something he's doing to try to show maturity. To me, you, you show maturity by being there every day on time. You Something that's, that can't be done in a week or two weeks that's a public move. But to me, it's something you, you prove on a daily basis. And he hasn't proven to me that he has the right mindset for the NFL. Would you trade? I mean, let's say they offered him for a fourth or fifth round pick. Would you trade for that guy? Nope. I just I I, no, I don't I, see I, it. Right I, 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 would, I wouldn't want him on the roster. Oh, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I, I just you know I mean I, the guy was a phenomenal player in college. He, I, I'll never forget some of the stuff he did. But am I do I, I mean I just, even if the guy's successful. That scares me as much as his failure because if he's successful, can he can he avoid becoming Johnny Football off the field? Can he can he stay Johnny Manziel, the grinding quarterback that does the work that's taken that, that it takes to be successful, or is he going to become the Playboy Party guy? I just don't know if he can can say no to that. So, yeah, I, I just at this point, I'd rather uh, I'd rather pass on him and take my chances elsewhere. Let me amend my answer there for a second. I actually would love to see the Eagles trade a fourth-round pick for him for page view purposes. Yes, yes, you would. <laughs> he, would certainly, nice? he certainly would be a lot more compelling than Matt Barkley. Uh, you know, nothing against Matt, but what? How dare he's you? Just, he's just not a compelling guy. You know? How dare you, sir? Watching Manziel sit on the sidelines would that that would generate some some interest, even if he's just standing there. Yeah, well, yeah, so take and you know, and him in training camp and whatever else would be. I mean, he'd get more attention than than anyone team combined. So if they can, uh, if they can trade for him and then sign Tim Tebow, I think we pretty much have solved the Eagle scorerack <laughs> scenario. 
There we go. There we go. And there's and they, they've both been, you know, linked to Chip Kelly in some way. Like I remember when Chip Kelly was first hired, Tim Tebow's name came up as, you know, sort of a versatile kind of guy that would quote unquote be the, the you know, guy that could hurt you with his legs, but come on. <laughs> so yeah, bring them both in and who else can we add to that mix? I, you know, I have to think about, I mean, uh, is, is, uh, Vince Young still available? See, <laughs> all right. Out there? We, we can be dream team too. Exactly. Why not? All right. So let's actually talk about chip and, um, our, and, and the Eagles new, um, quote unquote GM. He's not the GM obviously, but what, what is his title again? Banowitz vice president of player personnel. Okay, so our, and, the, and if they have a good draft, they'll become the president of player personnel. <laughs> there you go. So Chip and Ed Manowitz are you know, sort of running the show now, and it it's come up a, a lot in terms of Eagles fans asking questions about um, you know how confident should you know should they be in Chip Kelly as sort of the guy that has the juice now and. and has control over all player personnel decisions. And then Ed Natowitz, who's only a, a 30 year old guy who is being put in this position of, of, um, you know, sort of being chips, right hand man. Is there anything to worry about there in terms of their, um, I guess the way you could put it is inexperience. Well, I mean, here's the way I look at it. Yeah. Could they fail? Absolutely. But so did Matt Millen and Matt Millen was a, an elite high school football player, a major star at Penn State, won national, or, or excuse me, won a, a Super Bowl playing for Bill Walsh, won a Super Bowl playing for Joe Gibbs, two of the great coaches in the history of football, played for Joe Paterno in college. This guy was one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game, won championships, was just had, had just the ultimate pedigree. It was an abominable failure as a general manager. So the whole point is you you don't need a particular track record to succeed or fail in the NFL. It's whether you're good at what you do. And to me, the biggest thing about this, you know, these I get these these people hitting me up on Twitter or uh, you know on on the blog, and you're saying, hey, listen, why don't we have some veteran guys? Why can we trust Chip? To me, the whole point in hiring Chip Kelly is because he's Chip Kelly, and he's going to do things that are a little bit unorthodox. If you wanted a safe coach, an NFL guy, you could have got Mike McCoy, who's out in San Diego, who's done a nice job. If you wanted a, the safe general manager, you could have gotten you know any number of different guys. To me, you hired Chip Kelly because you're swinging for the fences. You're going for greatness. And when you're trying to be great, that's going to mean taking some chances. You give Chip Kelly the power. He chooses a young guy to work with. Uh, there's a lot of uh, background there that's college. But the bottom line is that both of them built college powerhouse rosters. You know, Ed Manowitz at Alabama helped stock the roster that won three national titles. Chip Kelly helped you know, stock a roster at Oregon that's put you know all kinds of players in the NFL and had tremendous success in, in college football. So these guys know how to identify talent. People can sit there and, and hit me up and go, you know, are they going to know how much to pay a guy with a salary cap? That's what you have Jake Rosenberg for. That's what you have Howie Roseman for. You go to those guys, you ask, hey, listen, how much does a, a number three wide receiver who's in his second year, how much should he be making? There's people to ask those kind of questions. What you're looking for with somebody who runs a team, you're looking for a guy with a vision 
and an eye for talent. And to me, the, both those people fit that, that description. So for me, I'm not concerned about it. I mean, there's risk in every move. I mean, how many GMs do we see with a great background who fail completely? Scott Pioli went to Kansas City. was an utter disaster. And he had helped build the great teams of New England. So, you know, people who want a, a safe choice, I, I, you know, I guess I get where they're coming from, but it frustrates me. Yeah, I, I think the uh, I think the concerns are, I, I think they are valid. I mean, I, I can understand why, um, you know, people would have concerns about, you know, Chip Kelly being in his third year as a head coach and then the young guy, Manowitz, being his first year in the position that he's in now. Um, but again, like, I, I, I totally agree with, with what you're saying. I mean, if there was a, a, I mean, if there was a seasoned front office stud talent evaluator that's just out there and, and looking for a job, then yeah, bring them in. But you know, those guys just aren't, you know, they're, they're, those guys just aren't growing on trees. <laughs> so like, right, are, right. Are, are, I mean, if, if there's a guy out there that that's available, yeah, sure. Hire him, bring him in. But those guys, the, the, those guys have great jobs, and they're not coming there to be Chip <laughs> Kelly's right-hand man. Right. It's, right. it's like you're essentially asking somebody to come in and be your backup quarterback, and you're trying to say, why can't we have Tom Brady as our backup quarterback? You know, it's it. I mean, it's not a perfect analogy, you know, but the whole point is that you know you're hiring somebody to be Kelly's go-to guy and to, to do certain things for him. The the best guys out there have really good jobs. This is not a job they're going to want. And the reality is, no matter who they hire, I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, no matter who they hire during this process, makes no. There's doesn't matter whatsoever. You're going to get people that don't like it. Exactly. And, and I want to tell a, a quick Chip Kelly story. Uh, when he was a coach at New Hampshire, he started off as the running back coach, and there was an opening on the staff for the offensive line coach. Well, the running back coach is a pretty low position. In fact, that might be the lowest position on the coaching staff. I mean, what do you have to do? You tell the guy to you know, get the football run that direction, don't fumble. You know, you're coaching real basic stuff. And you've only had a couple of guys to work with. It's just, it's, 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 maybe the tight ends coach is, is worse off, but that's about it. Uh, so Kelly's got a, a less than ideal job, the running back coach at New Hampshire. He sees the offensive line coach position open and says, you know what, I want to go for that. So he talks to uh, the guy who's uh, an assistant, I guess the offensive coordinator about it. The guy says, you're not an offensive lineman. You, you know, you've never coached that before in your life. There's no way we can do this. Chip keeps nagging at the guy. Finally, he talks to the head coach. They take Chip seriously, give him a shot, decide they're going to hire him. He, he convinces them that he, he's worthy of the job. And Chip does a fantastic job running the offensive line. He spends the spring and summer after he gets the job reading everything he can, learning everything he can about how to coach an offensive line. And he goes and builds New Hampshire into a team that is a great running team that put Jeff, Jerry's. I think, Shut up, Charlie. <laughs> Sorry. I, I think, Jer, I think Jer, Jerry Azuma at the time was like the leading rusher in the history of 1AA football. And he did that behind Chip Kelly, who didn't know how to coach offensive linemen. So, you know, this is a guy who, when he decides he wants to do something, he's not going to just guess at it. He doesn't want something because it's pleasant or cool. He He's going to work his, his ass off to learn everything he can and succeed. So anybody who thinks Chip Kelly is going to go in there, he wanted the power to just have power. They don't know Chip Kelly. So what you're saying is that the moral of your story here is that Jeff Stoutland needs to watch out for Deuce Daly? Exactly. Thank you. I'm glad you got it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And, and the, the other point here is just, you know, uh, the guy I've compared him to over the years is Jimmy Johnson. And when Jimmy Johnson came to the NFL, he had no experience. His staff had a lot of college coaches on it. And Jimmy came to the NFL, and Jimmy was smart enough. And, again, we're saying nice things about Cowboys. It makes me sick, but we got to do it because sometimes they deserve it. And, and Jimmy came to the NFL, and he was smart enough to look around and say, what here works and what doesn't? And he took the ideas in the NFL that he liked, and he kept them, and other things he did on his own. And when that team went 1-15 that first year, me and every other Eagles fan and every other NFL fan who hated Jimmy Johnson and the Miami Hurricanes laughed our butts off and said, you're an idiot college boy. You don't know what you're doing. You're over your head. You're going to fail. And unfortunately, we couldn't have been more wrong because he had good ideas. He knew how to execute them. He knew how to find talent. He built the Cowboy team into a powerhouse. So, you know, he didn't have an NFL background, nothing. He hadn't. He didn't know as much about the NFL as Chip Kelly did when Kelly got here. And but Johnson, because he was a great coach and a smart man with a great work ethic, was able to learn what he wanted and find out how he wanted to do things. Kelly's got the same kind of vision. I don't know if he's going to be able to to do the same things. Time will tell. But to me, th- this is why you hired Chip Kelly is because you wanted somebody who had a vision, somebody who had the potential to do things that are great. And yeah, there's going to be some risk involved. But without risk, we're, you know. You're not going to get that great reward without some risk involved. There's 32 teams, and just if if it was all random, um, you, know, you just picked picked the name out of a hat with the 32 teams in there. It's like a three percent chance of winning the Super Bowl. So yeah, I agree. I mean, if you don't take any risks, then you're just going to be sort of a middle of the road type franchise, and you're never going to go anywhere. So I'm I'm totally on board with with <laughs> you know the, the the hiring of Chip Kelly and sort of entrusting the franchise to him. Yeah, you know, and we'll see how he does. He's going to have to learn some lessons. But, again, this is a smart guy, and he's he's confident, but he's not cocky in the sense that he thinks, I know it all, and there there won't be any issues. He's going to have smart people around him. You know, Ed, he can talk to Ed Benowitz. Ed Benowitz has been with the personnel department. Now, this is his fourth year. So, Benowitz has scouted players before. He's been in the draft room. He's listened to Howie Roseman make phone calls. I bet Manowitz has made his own share of phone calls because when you're going through the draft process, you can't have one guy making every phone call. There's 32 teams. you got to have multiple people doing different things. Manowitz has been to the senior bowl. He's been to the combine. He's seen this stuff. It's not like this guy's fresh off the boat from Alabama. You I've know, been to the senior bowl and combine. Abs- and, and if they <laughs> hired you to run things – We'd have already won three Super Bowls. Well, I can't argue that point. Because Jimmy Bama don't make mistakes. Uh, so, you know, to me, I just, uh, you know, I understand some people's trepidation, but I, I just, I don't know. If you wanted safe and boring, why would you, why in the world would you hire Chip Kelly? That's like if you, there's a, there's a scene and it's always sunny in Philadelphia where, like, we don't want, they're sniffing glue. And they realize that it's children's, it's, uh, you know, kids' glue. Right. It says safe and boring. We don't want safe and boring. Right, exactly, exactly. So, again, the point that you're trying to make is that the Eagles should sniff the toxic glue. Get us the good glue so that Chip Kelly can find the good players. (laughs) Can we get Charlie Day to be our general manager? (laughs) It's Charlie and Mac that are sniffing the glue. So, yeah, maybe – the answer is always well, I mean, and like Lloyd Bridges in an airplane. It's been exactly. a long time since he started sniffing glue. No, he says he says I picked the wrong week. Oh, that's what it is. Glue. 
Is that when his hair is up? Exactly. He's upside down. Oh, that's right. He's upside down. That's it. Looks like I picked the wrong week to put sniffing glue. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. It's a short show this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with a uh, little, little, little more, but a uh, short show this week. Unless you have anything else to add here, Tommy. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just glad the uh, Super Bowl's done. The offseason is here. Let's start finding some new players, some new talent to add to the Eagles so we can make our run at the Super Bowl next year. He's Tommy. I'm Jimmy. Have a good one. <laughs>